another episode of Black with the Dash of. I am here with my good friend, world-renowned nurse, um, and all-around just fierce queen, um, my dear, dear friend, um, Lisa Kay. How are you, Lisa? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah? Well, you look good. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to look a day over 38. Ah, yeah. Okay. Thank we, you. We it's appreciate it. A- yeah. All of Olay. <laughs> right. Some some V O five and uh yes. <laughs> a few a few dove with the uh, dove with the bumps, like my grandma used to say. Make sure you got the yes. bumps in it so it can rub your skin, your little dirty self off. <laughs> right. All right, well good. How you been? I haven't seen you in oh my god, maybe ten years, maybe? Yeah. You remember last yeah. time you was at the you was at the mount? I don't remember when you was you was there. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. We are literally yeah. in the future. Yes. Frightening. Um, yes. But I'm good. good. Hanging in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You seem to have gone to bigger and better things. Uh, when I met you, you were you were a, a, a fierce, fierce nurse. Uh, <laughs> the epitome of what we thought nursing was. And then you just left. And, <laughs> and then somebody told me, well, you know, that's what travel nurses do. They're there for a little bit of time and they're gone. She's here often, but she just goes back and forth because they pay her. I'm like, travel nurses? Do they have traveling for other stuff? They got travel doctors? What else they got? Well, you know, doctors can travel uh, anyway because they are considered independent contractors. They contract with the hospital as to where when I was with Piedmont, I was staff, um, but I was PRN. So I still came and went as I wanted to, made my schedule, stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, when I, you know, heard about there was better travel assignments out there, I decided to to go ahead and jump ship. But there's also travel nursing assistants, respiratory therapists, case management, um, PT, OT, the physical therapists. I, they, they all can travel because there's always that need somewhere in healthcare, um, and and it may be for a short period of time or longer. So yeah. Like just about like, all entities of healthcare can travel. I feel like that could be like, like business. Like you can make that big business. Like you can be an entrepreneur. Oh, it's already it's that. it's already big business. Um, there is oh, I gotta find the article. There's a politician I think in Rhode Island mm-hmm. that uh, is trying to uh, write up a bill for uh, like a cap on our salaries as nurses who travel because right now the bill rate, the going bill rate for a travel nurse is $275 an hour. Mm -hmm. So that's what the agency is billing the hospital an hour for just one person Mm -hmm. for a 12 hour shift, which we all know could sometimes be, you know, 16, sometimes 18 hours, even longer. And then the nurse gets a cut of that. but you know, in this day and age with COVID, the agencies don't have a choice but to go up on their bill rate because we are asking for a higher rate because uh, as travel nurses, we always get the bad assignment, the, the rough assignment, I should say bad assignment, but the uh, more critical assignment. So if I'm going to be working harder and I don't get any benefits, I don't have any insurance, I don't have PTO or six time. So if I am out, I, I have something to fall back on. I need more money in my pocket up front. So, so there's no, you don't get benefits when you're a travel nurse? Is that is that why you get more money or 
How's that work? Yes. And there are some agencies now, um, I think they started probably about five years ago. There, there are a handful of agencies that will offer you some benefits like Cigna, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, United Health, stuff like that. But at the same time, you have to remember it's only while you're working. Right. Not whereas, you know, when you're staff, you take two, three weeks off of vacation or whatever, you still have your health insurance. If your assignment ends and you don't pick up another one for two, three weeks, for two, three weeks, you don't have health insurance. Right. Right. So yeah. this, this that's the question I want to ask you, then. like in COVID, right? Like mm -hmm. you got all these fears and people want nurses so much more. But at the same time, nurses are scared to work. Right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. nobody wants to come in and work and then be told they're going to be on a COVID unit. Like a lot of them right. just don't want to. Now, the reality is that's unavoidable, but they think, right. you know, a lot of people want to have their cake and eat it too. This is what it is. Like if I'm travel yeah. nursing, I want to be this luxurious person that works for three months and I made $30,000. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but you also got to put on that hazmat suit and go talk to Dr. COVID over here. Right. Well, when COVID started, it, it kind of is, it kind of changed. So right now, travel nurses are actually looking for COVID assignments um, because they do pay more. Mm -hmm. um, so the expectation going in is I know I'm going to have, you know, a COVID patient. There are a lot of new travel nurses who are kind of jumping out here into this world that are making those requests of saying, oh, well, I don't want a COVID nurse. Or you have more so the staff nurses who they actually have more authority to say, I don't want to take an isolation patient today. I, you know, I, I don't want to take another COVID patient. I only want to do this, that, and the other. As to where we don't really have that luxury to say, this is, this is the assignment that I want. You know, I, I, it, they're like, well, we're paying you <laughs> right. X amount of dollars. So this is what you're going to do. Now, everything is built into your contract and you do have to know uh, that contracts need to be set up before they start. Right. So if there is something that you don't want to do, if you don't want to be floated, uh, you don't want to work night shift or be uh, rotated through from day shift to night shifts, things of that nature, you have to put all of that in the contract first. Um, and neither the hospital accept it or they don't. Um, but also we, we know that contracts are negotiable. You know, all of them are. And if something changes throughout it, you can sit down and discuss with the facility. But nine times, I, oh, I say eight, I give them eight, eight <laughs> times out of 10, <laughs> they'll say no. They, 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 won't, they won't accept it. Um, and one of two things happens. The nurse either ends the contract early or the other facility does. But yeah. It's almost about to be the norm. So probably around, what are we in? 2022, my years with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, years now, yeah. Probably by 2025 at the latest, you will have nothing but independent contracted nurses working in hospitals. And, mm -hmm. I, and there shouldn't be a reason why we, we shouldn't be that way because everyone else is. Uh, like I said, the physician is an independent contract. He signs a contract with the hospital. He's not employed by them. Anesthesia is not employed by them. They signed uh, their own contract. Uh, um, for some odd reason, they want to hold us hostage. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to use the slave word, but you know. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Like, we're not going to pretend yeah. that the idea when it comes to labor is to maximize... Uh, labor through prop with the least amount of profit that's just what it is it's just right the sad part is we understand the baseline of that is slavery so that's what we go by right right, <laughs> <laughs> right.
Right. But, but my only question like, is like, so if everybody's going to be travel nurses, what happens to those securities that people have by being a staff? Have you heard of the morning meetup? The number one community for entrepreneurs? The largest book club in America? Where 600 plus entrepreneurs get on a video call every morning, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern, every morning for the betterment of entrepreneurship. You heard of it, right? Well, click the link in my description and you can try it for $1. Just $1 for one week. And if you don't like it, you can leave. It's fine. But try it. You spent more than that on things you've never used and never will. So take $1 and invest in yourself. Or don't. Well, what about, you know, you're going to run out of insurance. You're not going to have this. What about that security of having a job every day? And then somebody woke up in nursing and said, wait a minute, the same guy who went out here and decided to start his own business, no matter what it was, whether it was a landscaping business or he wanted to start a, his own marketing business, whatever, he has none of those securities either. And along the way, as he built up his company and his income, so he found ways to provide himself with those securities because many, many years ago, you couldn't just outright buy insurance. You had to get it through your employer. Well, that got done away with many years. So yeah, you can get your own plan through Blue Cross Blue Shield and you know all these other companies and at a very decent rate because they know, you know nurses are out here being entrepreneurs um you know sick time things of that nature people get with your financial advisor so that's where those conversations of you know getting with a uh, a seasoned travel nurse to say well how do you make it through the slow periods because we used to have downtime we used to have slow periods which is usually the first of the year when everyone's insurance and deductible starts all over and nothing's really happening. So there's not too much work in healthcare and you're not really needed because the census is down in the hospital. Um, you got to learn how to save. You got to learn how to put some money away, which is the same thing that happens at your job. You know, it's just someone else reaching into your bank account saying, let me take let me take a little bit of that and put that to the side so you don't spend it for when you need it later. Um, mm -hmm. I, I got you. You know, <laughs> we have to be that responsible person. Uh, you can have your bank do it I and put it in a locket. They can put it in an account that you can't touch without having to come in there, have a discussion, yada, 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 before you pull it out of there to cover yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 there's no, there's no reason why i can't tell a person not to do it right. um it affords you so many luxuries so many freedoms um and at the end of the day you you are in charge you know nurses are in charge of healthcare, right. and the one thing that this pandemic opened the eyes to the majority of the nursing population was just that you run the hospital the hospital doesn't run you and that's what i'm talking about the the, the propaganda the 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 brainwashing this oh no you're, you're an employee you work for us we tell you what to do no you don't you they they you you apply for a job at a hospital as a nurse 
They offer you a base salary for just being a nurse for your years of experience. Then you come to the table and you say, oh, but I have credentials in this area and I, I can do cardiac casts. I can do cardioversions. I can uh, put in central lines, you know, the, all these other skills that I have acquired over time as a nurse under my name, my skill set, my brain, my hands, and I want you to pay me for it. And I want you to pay me more for it. So, and they do, but they give you chump change. You know, like, oh, we'll give you 30, 35 cents extra on the base. We'll give you a dollar. But what nurses have learned now, wait a minute. You just charged this patient $5,000 for that central line I put in. But I only got an extra dollar an hour to do that? And it's no. When you say that, because like these newer nurses that come in and in, they're learning less and less. So they can make it more factory like I've never seen so many nurses that came out. And this is funny coming to me because I'm not clinical. Right. I just work mm -hmm. as a medical professional, but I'm not clinical. So when I see things that I think are standard and nurses mm -hmm. aren't doing it, I'm just scratching my head because I'm like, I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Because you got nurses that are coming out of school now. They can't do lines like any lines. Right. They just can't do them. Right. And mm -hmm. they, we have, uh, you know, Piedmont, I don't know if they started before you left, but they have an IV team where they have nurses that do yes. lines. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a new thing, right? Mm -hmm. IV team is a new thing. And they're making it to where it's a thing that has to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, well, we just, if we have an IV team, then we can just bring, bring in a bunch of nurses that are baseline that are just above text. And they can we can pay them just above text. And right. they can be like, Oh, you have to stay here because you're not trained well enough to work anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And it's like at, it's like that at every hospital. And it's the thing that's scary is the fact that we don't know how far down it's going to go because nobody wants to be independent. You know, we're trained in the workforce before we enter it to be trained as employees, not mm -hmm. to be leaders, not to be entrepreneurs. We're trained to be given money, be thankful for it, and give it back to Uncle Sam, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right. right. And all you entrepreneurs, nurses are entrepreneurs because they're independent mm -hmm. contractors, they should be treated that way and they should be acting that way, which means they also, yes. when they start, they should be learning how to manage their money, right? How to invest it, how to build, right? All The thing you'll notice about hospitals is all these new, all these older nurses, not the new nurses, the older nurses, they all doing CTEs. They're doing continued education mm -hmm. over and over again so they can get more money and they can have they can have a foothold. And these new nurses, they're not even thinking about these CTEs. They don't care. I'm just happy to have right. a job. <laughs> right. You have to have a job. Right. They'll because be the, the, the new and then the new nurses are coming in and they're looking at the old nurse and they're like, well, wait a minute. She's making $65 an hour. I should be making $65 an hour. No, ma'am. No, ma'am, you should not. And the reason and the reason why we say that this pandemic was, again, the, a prime example. You know, I, I hit the ground running and I knew what I was doing, you know, because it's it's a it's a learned skill set. Um, and then you have these new nurses who come out. So in to, to piggyback off what you said earlier, how they're coming out baseline, literally nursing school, that's all they give. They give you the basics. They give you the basics that when you hit the floor, you may recognize 
something that was taught in class, a clinical to do for a patient or whatever. And you have to learn the you know, policy and procedures of how to put an IV in at this hospital and you go here, you got to go to, it's a different one at, at every hospital, you know, um, but it is a hands-on job, learning job. And that's why I said, you know, they say, well, well I'm, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you $65 an hour and I'm going to pay her $65 an hour. No, you're not. Can she do what I do? If you throw me that critical care patient down here, can she take care of them? Does she know how to do them drips and keep that blood pressure going and watch that map and manage that art line and that EVD? And no, she cannot. So she does not get $65 an hour. She can get her 35 and that's it. But you're going to give me my 65. Technically, you're going to give me my 125 because that's where, that's where we are right now. Because at the end of the day, what people are now realizing and, and nurses are realizing we do the work of the physician. Now, granted, he's the doc and he is supposed to know more than me. He's supposed to know more than me. Um, and I'm not saying that physicians don't know more than us, but don't negate and say that I don't know just as much as him because I'm taking care of his patient. So just as he, he has all the knowledge of a patient with congestive heart failure, so do I. I have to because I'm monitoring this patient. I'm monitoring their medications, their labs, uh, all of the orders that he's putting in because I have to I have to watch. Wait a minute. You're ordering too much of this medication for him. You're you going to kill him or you're not ordering enough. Have you not been paying attention to the blood pressures that have been you know charted in this computer? Have you looked at his lab work today? So it's, it's not even so much the beat up on one another. We, we work together. I may have seven patients on a med surge unit or two in the ICU and he's got 200. Right. Because he, he's seeing a lot and he's there, you know, a seven day, 10 day rotation, whatever. I think they're still on seven days right now. Yeah. Um, so so that so with that said, yeah, I want more. Yeah, I want more. And, and I deserve to have more. And if being a staff employee, you know, you're going to dictate and say, no, you, we're going to give you what we give everybody across the board. Then I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to get what I deserve because these are my skills. Yeah. So I'm going to take my skills, I'm going to put them in my bag and I'm going to say goodbye. Here's, here's my letter of resignation and you can keep them pennies because I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get my coins and, and my dollars and things that fold, mm -hmm. not jingle, somewhere else with my skill set because you can't, you can't take my, you can't take it away from me. You know, it, it, it is something that is taught. So in defense of some of these new nurses coming out with just the baseline, that's literally all you get. It's up to you to take the initiative to say, I want to learn how to do more. I want this. I want that. So you can add it to your, your resume, your, your CV. So when you're sitting in front of someone and you say, I want six figures for this, for this position, they can look at it and say, well, yeah, she brings a lot to the table. And, and her skill set actually makes us money because if she can do this, 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 and this, this is, we bill, our bill rate for this, our bill rate for this line, our bill rate for this procedure is this, and she's doing, yes, okay, we can give you that because you're making money for my company. Right. And then what is, what is, what does that look like, right? Like, so these nurses, they come out of school and they, they go into this new job because Pete Montegray decided to hire them, bring them on staff or three-year contract them trying to make their contract robust and they they're scared of travel nursing what i mean what, what else can they do right because no, most of them do, they just want to work 
And so then you have those who, and we need them. I'm not going to say that we don't. You have those who don't mind staying with a facility and doing the old school. Let me work my way up the ladder. Um, you know, uh, what is, which was it? Emory. Emory is big on that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they they bring their nurses in. They force, if they don't have the BS in their bachelors, they force them to get a bachelor's, all of these uh, magnet status hospitals, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they force them to go back to school and they, you know, they force them to obtain, uh, I don't want to say just leadership, but to advance up, you know, don't stay here as a floor nurse, work, work your way up. And they teach, you know, the staff nurses how to do that because a lot of nurses just don't a lot of, you know, you have a lot of older nurses, a lot of nurses in their sixties that, they took no interest in becoming a manager or, you know, the educator on the floor. They didn't even know how to obtain it. They just knew some new, you know, chick came in, excuse me, and, you know, got the job. And now this is their new manager. Now this is their, and they don't know a doggone thing. And you can work this unit for 25 years. Well, dear, if all, if you do this step, this step, this step, and that'll put you in line to apply for that open position as a manager and move up the ladder into leadership to add to your income. So there's that, there's that step. So what do you say to, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but what do you say to these new uh, nurses that come out and they don't want to work? They don't want to work as a staff nurse. They know they want to be a nurse. They want to help people. They don't know how, they don't know where they go. They don't know if they can work in a minute clinic. They don't know what they can do. What, what do you say mm-hmm. that they that they can uh, accomplish or at least where they can go to be outside the box, so to speak? Yeah, nobody asked me like that before. So coming so coming out, because we do we I think that's happening a lot right now because of COVID. You have a lot of nurses that are coming out and they don't want to work the floor, but they want to go somewhere else. There are other things that you can do as a nurse that's not at the bedside, that you don't need bedside experience, but the majority of it, you do. So you do still need to get that critical care thinking under your belt before you jump out there in the world and decide to do something else. Um, I'll use, for instance, uh, case management, utilization management, nursing, that's not bedside. And now as of COVID, it's work from home as to where, you know, I don't know if you remember like Alicia and all, we'd see them sitting at the table, um, you know, checking on your patient, who needs a walker when they go home, who needs this, blah, blah, blah. Who's looking like they're going to be here forever. Who looks like they're going to transition up to the unit or they're going to transition down, stuff like that. You had that person, you know, on the unit dealing with patients, and in the past, they weren't nurses and they decided, wait a minute, there's there's so much into that. We we they changed that job description for the requirement to be a nurse because you're just looking at a chart. And, you know, if if, if I don't have a, a clinical background and I'm looking at a patient that, you know, I got five days of clinical of them being in the hospital and it's looking like okay, they're going to transition to hospice or they're going to trans, you know, they're going to go to the unit, things like that. If I don't have that background, I, I, I wouldn't see that. So a lot of these outside of the box nurse positions, you do still need that bedside experience so you can critically think when you're out there. No, because no, like, no, no, but I think that's important 
but especially to have nursing staff in some of those positions of management and even executive offices, because a lot of these hospitals, the doctors are on the board, right? Right. And right. We all yeah. know only half of them probably know how to work on a, on a board, right? Exactly. Like they're doing it anyway because they understand how medical care is supposed to work. And I think the same right. thing should happen as you trickle down. Same thing should happen right. to people that have experience just working in, in and around hospitals. They should be around things that are medical because they're qualified. It doesn't necessarily right. mean that they've done surgery or not, but there's no reason why they can't make decisions um, on people's care. Right. Right. And I yeah. I don't that, remember when it started, um, but I do I do know. You know, we have something called a CNO, a chief nursing officer, as to where, like you said, the board right. is always full of positions, um, which which is new as well, um, because it used to be just a board of businessmen. So you have because healthcare is a business. So you had a bunch of businessmen running a hospital who had no clinical background. So they changed that area and then they changed the 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 leadership area over us. And we have a chief chief nursing officer who speaks up on behalf of us about making changes when it comes to staffing, um, uh, income and, you know, uh, retention, uh, education, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Most, most hospitals tend to do a good job, at least of trying to do that. Like when you have, trying. and then like the people that'll be in these positions usually have some background in social work, um, right. some background in casework. They try to make sure that there's some form of care, for lack of a better term, that is involved yes. in your care, right? Yes. Even at the executive level, because you want people to make decisions that are based on health and wellness and not on numbers, right? Right. Which is easier said than right. done, but it makes it more likely when they come from that background than they're supposed to have. Right. Right. Because right. I have worked on the leadership end and the administrative side, and it's it's very hard not to drive healthcare under the numbers portion because healthcare is driven by the insurance companies, not your physicians, you know, and that because some people think, oh, well, you know, he's got this top salary, you know, he, he's a multimillionaire physician. That's why it's costing me so much for this. No, it's your insurance company that decides how much they're going to reimburse the facility for whatever procedure, what you're in there for and things of that nature. And so it, it does to a certain degree you know, the, 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 the dollars and the, and the money drive healthcare and why decisions are made because we do have salaries to pay. We do have people that, you know, they, we have to pay them. And if we're going to pay them, then, you know, we, we've got to meet a certain financial quota, you know, and, but also at the same time, bringing it back, like you said, having, having the clinicians, on these boards allows them to make those decisions for people where you can say, okay, this case is going to cost us some money, but the humanitarian portion of us is going to allow us to, you know, take care of this patient. We're going to, we're going to keep this patient. We're going to take, we're going to do this case, so forth and so forth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Um, you are always very knowledgeable. Um, I usually, <laughs> but it, it's funny cause like, I've never asked you this. So I'm going to ask you now, have you always wanted to be a nurse? 
Like, is, no, do you want to do? believe it or not. So, no, but, but, I saw myself going to law school. I wanted to be an attorney. Oh, I, I wanted to see that. fight <laughs> for the rights of, yes. No, and, but it was, but I was working in a hospital and it was the hospital that had, you know, the the different shifts and schedule and is open 24 seven that allow you to go to school, you know, so you can right. still work and go to school at the same time. You know, at the hospital, but and while I was there, I was like, you know, I actually, actually really like this. You so, know, so you worked at the hospital before you were a nurse. What were you doing? Yeah, so I started off as an emergency room tech. Oh, yeah, but when I, but when I was a tech, we put in IVs, we hung lines. You know, we did animal. We did all these things that now they say, no, it's only a nurse that can do it, which is fair. Right. And there was some errors because <laughs> not everybody was trained well. And, you know, people trying to put in, I, I would not want a tech to put in an IV on me today, you know, back right. then. Yeah. Because yeah, we got that kind of training. They don't get that kind of training now. True. No. True. So my, so I would just ask you then, why? Uh, what what made that light go off? Because I mean, you're clearly just you know learning, right? Fifty years ago, so the judicial system is a very broken system. Oh yeah. And where I was, you know, gung ho, you know, I want to be an attorney. You know, I'm gonna fight for my people. You know, I'm tired of. Uh, especially black men, you know, getting, you know, an undue fair trials, you know, they're not represented well, you know, um, because it's, it's, you know, the law is almost just like healthcare where we're promoting African-American people to get African-American doctors because they understand you better. Um, it's, you know, oh, it's, that's racist. That's a divide. No, it's the truth. Um, I'm my, my primary care doctor who is the same color as me, who has the same culture as me can understand why I still eat chitlins. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just, uh, they're delicious. <laughs> Thank you. you know, and so that's why I have, you know, high blood pressure, you know, stuff like that, you know, I mean, you, you understand where I'm going. And right. so in the same thing yeah. for, you know, the law field, you know, um, I can sit here. I mean, God, I can't. I, you, you, you could click on YouTube or whatever and you'll find multiple, multiple people talking about, you know, systemic racism. And then you have multiple Caucasian people who say, you know, that that can't be that can't be true. That's not so. Yes, it is. And so you say with you saying that alone means you don't understand my struggle. So then right. how could you represent me in a courtroom? fairly right. or, 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 or justly. So that was, that was my goal behind it. But, but outside of the fact that there aren't a lot of us as attorneys, there's not a lot of us as, as judges. So it was, a it was, it felt like a lose, lose situation for me. Um, I was never going to feel, I was going to be disappointed a lot. So working in the hospital and, and looking, you know, looking, you know, down the road as far as the law school and things of that, you know, becoming an attorney, it was, how could I better help my people then? And if I can't help them here, can I, can I at least help them in this area? And I saw that I could help my patients more and feel 
and feel some sort of enjoyment and and have a, a more positive having more positive outcomes in healthcare with patients than I would in the judicial system. Now that I understand. <laughs> you and others know that my ultimate goal was to be an attorney. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not gone per se, but the goal was always to help my people. I grew up in the hood. Right. I grew up in a very, uh, I won't say impoverished because that's not fair, but mm-hmm. we weren't exactly well off, right? right. And you, we could see the division in our city, and, and it was a small city, which is even more stark. And the division, mm-hmm. The lines were clearly drawn, and you could tell by the way that they shipped us out from our neighborhood to a school across the town. When the closer school was right. a white school, it was much closer. They did things like that, right? So, right. I I told myself that not only we're we going to do this, we got all these cops that are in our neighborhood all the time, just sitting and just waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're underrepresented. We need to do something about this. And the path to that never kind of caught this felt like every time i got close to the goal something pulled me away to do something else and Mm -hmm. and that math made me realize that there's got to be a better way in a quicker way to make an impact on Mm -hmm. on my people and a lot of it was okay do i become do i uh, get a lawyer become a politician right right that's a very dirty game don't really want (laughs) to Right. But it is but it is how you get things done. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, what if I speak to people and connect to people and also let them know that they're not alone in the world and mm-hmm. remind them of that constantly and mm-hmm. coach people in a direction that allows them not to be disenfranchised? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. This podcast mm-hmm. is one way. I'm writing a book. We will see what happens, right? But I know that the legal system is a very difficult way to do it because most cases, no matter what they are, are at least two or three years. <laughs> it doesn't matter yep. what it is. If it isn't traffic, yep. it goes in litigation because every time there's a motion, it takes 90 days to respond to it. So yep. things take a while. And yes. Not only me, but my community doesn't have that much time. So there's no reason for me to be like, you know, well, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, no, everybody else felt that way, too, so I'm not doing it. Uh, Right. Enough about me. This is about you, Um, (laughs) uh, the nurse of the hour. Uh, So you you made that decision. You said, you know what, I'm going to go and do this. But, of course, you were still a new nurse like everybody else. Mm -hmm. New nurses now, what would you tell them? Like, hey. This is what you need to do. Because uh, most of them just don't have a clue. They don't. I mean, it, I, I guess I had to lean back to what, you know, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, yeah. You, you need to, you need to educate yourself and up your skills. So, you know, when the when the physician comes around and it's the, the, the critical patient, the patient that nobody can quite figure out, take that patient. Um, you know, if, if you're, you know, working in the OR, you know, and it's a, a you know, difficult case, go take that case. L- learn as much as you possibly can. Sit with your physicians. Um, a lot of these nurses, they only get six weeks of orientation. When I came out of nursing school, I got six months. 
And each month I had to follow one of the cardiologists on the floor. So I had six months with six different cardiologists. And the, the, the theory behind uh, the hospital doing that was we get it. You're a nurse. We're going to pair you with a nurse preceptor, but you're taking care of their patients. So you need to learn how they like for you to take care of their patients. Um, and it, and it, it made so much sense uh, to the point where you didn't have to call the physician all the time. You know, a lot of hospitals now are going to like standard order sets to help out some of that. So, so these nurses know, okay, this is what you do if this happens. So, you know, I would say that, you know, ask a lot of these nurses are scared to ask questions because they feel like, Oh, if I ask, then I'm not, I'm not smart enough. You're, you're never smart enough. Healthcare. No medicine is ever changing. So you'll never know it all. And again, we lean back to if this pandemic has not proved that COVID has telling never know nothing. We still know 13% about COVID. If, if it's on a scale of zero to a hundred percent, we know about 13% about COVID. That's it. Yeah. That's it. But we're American. Um, we know everything. Yeah, it is still trial and error out here with taking care of people. So ask, ask as many questions as you can. And 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 while you're in nursing school, because they they some of them know this, some of the educators know, you know, that there are things that you can do outside of the box that's not necessarily at bedside that you can go and do. Um, get into some of these, you know, Facebook nurse groups. A de you know, the decent ones, not the ones where people are on there just, you know, constantly complaining <laughs> or stuff like that. And, and, you know, and ask, ask your fellow man, hey, you know, what is out there that I can do work from home or, you know, that's not bedside. And, and people will chime in and tell you not not everyone will give you all of their info because nobody wants you to tap into, you know, their, their secret bag. Um, but, yeah, I ask a lot of questions. But but. A lot of these new nurses, they do, as you say, they've got to start educating themselves above the, the, the basic standard nurse role. You know, OK, this is all I had to do to get out. You know, I'm out. I'm good. Um, and, and I'm not going any further than that. No, it, you, you do. Um, you you're doing an injustice or, or, or what it was the other word. Um, you're not doing anything good for yourself and you're not doing anything good for your patient because the more you know and the more educated you are as a nurse, the better you are for your patient. Um, because, you know, health care is critical and things happen and you ha only have seconds to make a decision. And if you got to look up a book or, or ask Siri to help you or go find it, run down the hallway and go find that seasoned nurse, your patient could very well be dead by the time you get back. Right. So, you know, asking a lot of questions, um, do, doing some research. Um, I have a friend who does something called um, informatics, bioinformatics and nursing. Bioinformatics. I met her in 2015. So at, by 2015, I had been a nurse for not long, uh, 11 years. Yeah, 11 years then. And I had never heard of it. Okay. She's making six figures. And she literally like, I'm gonna get out of school. She's got her master's. She applied for the job. She got it. There's no bedside um, 
requirement for it. Now, does it help to have it? Yes, but there's no requirement for it. Um, and bioinformatics, what she does is the, is Epic and Cerner. So, you know, when we went mm -hmm. from Cerner to Epic at the hospital, she's the woman coming in from Epic to teach you how to use it. She builds it behind the scenes. That's, that's part of her job. Mm -hmm. And then the hospitals end up hiring a bioinformatics nurse that sits in an office all day long. And that's all they do. And they are monitoring and, and working with the EMR system. So when when it when it's not working right, you know, it, this is totally out of, you know, IT, totally out of IT. You still have IT, but this person is is all about the clinical side of that EMR. Um, and for her role, I, I can only I can use hers as an example for her role. Like she works with the physicians. So when they start a new EMR in the hospital, she gets with all of the physicians and they build, you know, the electronic record and then she teaches them how to use it. No, and then they, you know, she's hold on. What's, mm -hmm. what's an EMR? Just, just the electronic medical record. All right, all right, all right you know, because yeah. nothing so is on paper anymore. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, back in you know, back in the day, we wrote everything out. Your chart was handwritten. Now it's an electronic medical record in the computer system. I got you. Okay, so that that's what she teaches. Yeah, and there are a lot of nurses that do that on a um, on a travel nurse part time basis. It's called a go live. So the hospital in Montana has decided to switch to Epic, or they were on paper before, and now they're going to an uh, uh, electronic medical record. They will contract nurses to come out for a month or longer to help during that transition because you know one point i was writing on paper or i was using this this type of emr and i'm going to another it slows me down so i can't really take care of six patients today i can only do four so the the travel nurse is going to come in and she's going to take two of your patients away from you so you can focus on just those four and she's got those other two while you learn how to use this emr this new electronic medical record system so that that's something that I, I have a, another good friend, uh, Christy. She does that a lot. She just she goes from state to state flying around because I, I can't remember which year it became a mandate um, that all hospitals had to be, you know, electronic by a certain time period. So we can stop having, you know, misdiagnoses or, you know, look out the frequent flyers who jump from right. hospital to hospital just to get, you know, opioid prescriptions and stuff like that. We can actually see what's going on in all the hospitals in the United States. So yeah, that, you know, that's, you know, one of the, one of the many things outside of the box that people do and, and strikes, you know, when hospitals go on strike, you have nurses that that's all they do. They don't work anywhere else or they may you know work a prn job at their local hospital and when the hospitals up north who are union go on strike because they're having contract issues they you know send in replacement nurses and it may be for a week it may be for the longest one that i was on was the longest one in history was six weeks in minnesota and we were there. We, we were there on while the nurses were on strike for six weeks, and I ended up being there in a total of six months because after the strike was over, you know, a lot of the the nurses who went on strike either quit, found other jobs, things of that nature, and so they still needed us there to fill in, you know, those shortages. Mm -hmm. So that's something um, that no one ever told me about until 2016. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're nursing mercy, which was, my, which was my first strike. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's I'm like, what? I could be there like every week. So there, and again, there's a group of nurses that have been doing this for 15, 20 years. And, you know, every month she rolls out a list of, okay, who's on a potential strike? Who's, who's coming up next? So you can keep a watch on it. So, you know, when to go make your bag, you know, and, uh, back in the day, I always say back in the day, because COVID makes it feel like pre COVID, you could go on a strike and make five to $7,000 in a week. And you only worked two days, but you had to be there. You had to do a day of onboarding, a day of uh, training, stuff like that. So the strike itself where the nurses walk out may have only been for two days. So you're only working two of it, but you had to be, you know, there and in state and, you know, at a hotel away from home. So, you know, they say, you know, the block out is not, it's like nine days, give yourself mm -hmm. nine days to be away from home. That's enough time to travel and to also to get you back home. Um, and yeah, and, and knock you out a five, six, $7,000 bag in a week. I feel like agencies, could be making so much bank if they were just like we're just this kind of agency sign up with us and we're gonna let you know everybody's striking How's it? oh but they do so there is there is only a handful of strike agencies uh i think of five i think about five that i because when people ask me when you do strikes who do you sign up with i, I usually send people about it's a five names and that's all they do. Um, and, and then with COVID coming about, they decided to branch off into, into travel nurse contracts where, you know, you, they're contracting people for four to up to 13. Sometimes I've seen uh, some 23, 26 week contracts, but that was all they ever did. Um, because they were, their companies were respected by the unions and also the, the facilities that they knew, okay, if something should happen and we go on strike, this is the company that I can call that's going to get me the amount of replacement nurses that I need. And it's going to be streamlined and it's going to be smooth, you know, so that they, they are, they exist and they've been around. I just didn't know about it. 2016. <laughs> but like you said, it's about these having these conversations, telling people how, how you can be a nurse outside of the box. Yeah. They, they get, uh, there's, there's the bags out there. I keep telling people there's yes. always money to be had. There is more money in the world than everybody in the world can spend. Trust me. Right. But you just got to go right. get it. You, on the other hand, you could be, you could be teaching some of these nurses. I don't know why you, I might have to get you on one of these courses because you, you need to, so, <laughs> Somebody asked yeah. that before, you know, to, to teach people how to do it. And yeah. then, because, you know, I see a lot of these nurses, they'll, they'll charge, they'll charge like a thousand dollars. I'll teach you how to be a nurse entrepreneur. Yep. And they, they do, they provide you with, you know, some, a lot of the things that we're talking about, you know, which companies to get with, you know, how to negotiate your contracts, things like that. Sometimes they don't, they, they have forgotten about that a lot, but also, um, they forget about, uh, taking care of a lot of these nurses, mental health. And, and I, and I, I use mental health in a broad range of things, because like you said, in the beginning, uh, well, if I, if I go out here and I'll be a travel nurse, what about all my securities? You, you have to be able to educate, you know, these nurses coming out here trying to be outside of the box on those 
those those mental health issues that that may concern them with not being an entrepreneur guiding them on how to get through you know like i said those down times those times where you know healthcare is slow and your contracts aren't as as prevalent um and 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 lucrative um stuff like that so you know they i think they leave i think they leave that off a lot in these classes where i see you know they're like sign up for my class i'll teach you how to be a travel nurse um, and, and that's why some people jump out there, uh, and, and, and they, and they fall flat on their face mm -hmm. because they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna make $10,000 a week this week. Yes, you can. I will show you how to get those contracts, but there's a lot more that goes with that $10,000. Nobody is going to give you $10,000 a week and you're that's not going to first. give a whole heck of a lot of yourself up <laughs> for that 10 grand. And some people didn't make it. Some people didn't survive it. Um, and they were like, oh, it's not worth it. It is, you know, it is if you if you make it worth it and you and you know how to get through it. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you. You are always, always dope. And we, we are not going to not talk about uh, you having this little business because I can smell an empire when I see it. Right, you ain't gonna start working. You just, you just let it happen because I'm telling you, there's so much education out there that gets lost between the cracks that people do not understand the the life lessons that can be taught to people that people, especially that look like us, Ever don't seen get. a beard so luxurious that you stopped what you were doing, dropped your jaw, and stared in awe at the majestic king who just graced you with their presence. It's fine, we all have. If you're like me, you even want to be that person. And like me, you can. Thanks to the House of Classic Cuts Black Mango Beard Kit. House of Classic Cuts is a company dedicated to helping you have the beard of your dreams. They have a wide line of products designed to help you get that person-stopping, jaw-dropping beard. Their beard butter helps you soften hair, stimulate growth, moisturize your skin, and keep your beard healthy. And it smells great, too, thanks to their signature Black Mango Scent. I love using their beard butter myself because that's really all the hair I got left. The top of my head is uh, a little follically challenged. But the hair on my face has grown to be quite the mane, and I am um, growing a little attached to it. And because of that, I got to make sure I put in the things that take care of it day in and day out. But they also have a wide range of products for men's skin and hair care. Get yourself a bigger, better beard now by clicking the link in my description and using code HOCC at checkout. That's houseofclassiccuts.com. Promo code HOCC at checkout. Don't worry, you won't be disappointed. The House of Classic Cuts is making facial hair all inspiring, one beard at a time it's that beard butter baby yes right i didn't know how to invest until i was 30. i didn't know how to do anything with my money until i was 30. all these things mm -hmm. i didn't know how to do until i was like you know what i'm gonna go figure it out and everybody was like it was always like that and i'm just like word ain't nobody tell no. me 
Right. But again, again, <laughs> if no one ever told you, you would not know. But yep. also, that's a that's a cultural thing. That's a yeah. economic thing. Uh, yeah. Because if my parents didn't, you know, invest in stocks and 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 do those things, that they can't teach me because right. they they didn't do it. They didn't know it. Right. Um, and and the one thing that. I, I applaud you for this. You're saying, you know, I want to be able to educate my community. That's what we need. If we have more education, we don't not saying we don't, we don't need more attorneys. I don't, I don't need more attorneys to keep us from going to jail for 20 years for stealing a Twinkie while somebody else rapes five, three-year-olds and gets two weeks house arrest and mental health therapy. Um, I don't need, I don't need that. We need the education and, and, and the knowledge. I take away education, the knowledge, because if we teach our people about investing, we teach them about entrepreneurship, we teach them about, you know, the law and how it truly system truly works. Right. Not that you'll beat it, not about beating the system, but staying out of the system. Right. Like that is the thing. That's the only thing I've been good at is staying out of the system, but not necessarily how to live in this one. Right. Right. Figuring that out as I go. But at the same time, the people that are in the system aren't taught how to get out of it either. Right. No. You know, there's too many no. people that come out of come out of prison and nothing was done to rehabilitate them, which means no. they're not uh, they're going to go back in because they're, they don't right. have any tools. Nobody taught them no. how to not come back. Right. No. We. Only reason people can't go back to high school is because they graduated. It's, it's, it's looked down upon once you've gone through these things to to backtrack and try to build yourself back up. It just doesn't just doesn't happen. And yeah. um, it's up to the community to keep itself afloat, basically. Yeah. Uh, because nobody else is going to do it for you. you. Know, nobody's coming from other communities to do it. You got to do it. I think it's All up right. to us to learn how to. Learn how to float, and then learn how to swim, and then teach everybody else how to do it. That's that is our that is our uh, our burden. You leave the world better than you right. and you found it, right? Right. And I think I have to. I'll, I'll apologize for my my text earlier with you saying that because <laughs> <laughs> the what is it information can't be taught or shouldn't be taught. It should be sold. Some, something people say. Oh, yeah. The game is sold. The game is to be sold, not to be told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So that's that's our other biggest problem in right. the community. Right. Uh, we, we can sit here and say all day long, um, uh, I, I'll use one of my other outside of the box, uh, not a nurse, but it, it just is so nursing. Uh, the, the baseline of it is so nursing. Like, the trucking industry. You know, I, I want to get into the trucking industry. As a nurse, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, so you you own a truck or you don't, you know, but you have the skill set to drive the truck. You know how to drive the truck. You have the skills. It's been it, you you've been doing this for 20 years. So you're now a seasoned truck driver, like they call a seasoned nurse. So you got all these skills. You know how to get through snow, you know how to do this, that, you know how to fix that truck if it, it breaks down on the side of the road, yada, yada, yada. You know all of that. Um, but you are still working for a company that's paying you a percentage of that load. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a minute. But if you've been doing this for 20 years, shouldn't your percentage go up? Shouldn't at some point in time, you make more for your skills because right. you're a safer driver because you've been doing this longer. Right. You're, you're, um, 
your a more profitable driver because you've been doing it longer and you're not going to have an accident you know how to repair that truck you know with some duct tape and some glue you know yep. uh to get the load to where it needs to be so the the the, comp the brokerage company can make the money it's the same thing as nursing we the staffing agency are making money off of our years of experience and skill set with that bill rate because they get a cut of that bill rate for the work that i do so then turn around and be and be your own entrepreneur own your own truck yep get your own get your own load and get 100 percent of the load instead of just 35 or 20 I, somebody was offering like 23 percent of the load you know things like that that as a nurse i'm like okay well outside of the box of doing nursing i'd like to get in that because it's just like running a, a nursing staff a staffing agency yeah. yeah yeah excuse me but people but again you know they want to charge right. you know fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars to give someone the information and i get it i get it because i know i you know i gotta pay georgia power and xfinity from the internet i gotta pay all <laughs> there's people out here that want money from me i know this so i gotta make money and i can't just keep giving it away but we we're really bad <laughs> when it but comes there, to that there are, there are ways to game. do it without gouging the system right yeah you can yeah. you can charge people for information and not break their bank and make millions right. of dollars you can't exactly but people are greedy and people, people are greedy you know this my price is my price and you know yesterday's prices isn't today's price oh lord if i see it. that one more time I, yesterday's I, price I, is not today's it. price and oh I lord get it. i get it but also you know there's levels right like we ain't all we're not all going to the moon right this ain't all it ain't all tesla right so right. some of these things are premium and some of these things are just hey get the information out there right right like people people sell ebooks for five dollars and are millionaires you're trying to tell me that yep. that their course has to be twenty five thousand dollars i'm not right. anybody that does it because i understand that i'm not their client i'm not their target demographic right. i get that right, right. fine but that doesn't mean i gotta charge somebody twenty five thousand dollars right right this podcast is free right only thing right. it costs me is my time so you know like click right. subscribe that's all i ask you know Yes. <laughs> I do. I like this. Yes. But yes. Just sit down and talk to someone because I'm I'm always up for giving free game to people, whatever you want to call it, because someone some, someone said to me a couple months ago, he said, oh, you rich. I said, no, 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 no. I, I would never classify myself as rich. I will always classify myself as blessed because I have encountered people in my lifetime, whether they were patients. Um, I've, I've, had, I've had patients that have put me up on game, you know, and include me in on some good business deals or, or you know, uh, networks um, that I've kept. But I, I've just, you know, I, I've just, I don't know why. I've just always just kind of run into to some good people in my life that have said, hey, you know what? I like you. And, 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 I, and I think you're a good person. And I'm gonna set you up with this, this, and this, and I I get the bag without having to pay right. twenty five hundred dollars for a class. And there's, um, there's something to be said for being in the room. And like a lot of times, you don't even know you're in the room until you know the room shows itself. But you, you until act the shows itself to you. Act, act, yes, act the way you act. Be yourself. 
and ask questions and you'd be surprised the doors that fly open not just not just open up fly open right. trying to tell you right. people just don't know like i you know i, I pay for courses and education you know that's how the podcast came right and i'm in a i'm in an entrepreneur group uh the morning meetup meet every day and it's mm -hmm. we always pushing ourselves right but yes. nobody is gouging people for anything but no. when the opportunity is there to be in the room or to be encouraged or to be around other people that think like you or think like you want to think, trust right. me, it rubs right. right on off. Yes. No, I, I do. I do agree with that. You know, that's that old school saying, if you want to be poor, hang around poor people. If you want to be rich, hang around rich people. Yeah. Um, because, you, yeah, you. you I, I, I sit around a lot of very wealthy <laughs> people that I look at and I'm like, I, I'm poor compared <laughs> right. to y'all. Conversations get to be had and and a lot of networking, you know, happens behind that. But mm -hmm. also, you know, I just I don't know, you know, it, it's it's a it's a personality thing. It's a, a character thing. You just have to be good to people. You right. have to be good to people and you have to be a good person. And and that's why I always just say, you know, very blessed because I, I've just encountered a lot of people that have allowed me to network um, in certain rooms that I should never have existed in um, just for being just just being kind to someone and being a good person. And that's usually what I get back. They were like, you know, well, you were such a nice person. You're such a good person. I want to set you up with this person. I want to set you up with that and so forth and so forth. Um, I, you know, you tell me when I'm cut off, you know, but, you, you know, even with me working yeah. in the, the filming industry, you know, they're filming all over Georgia and it's been here forever. And you, I would have never known that you could do nursing in the, the, the filming industry. Uh, I happened to get a phone call from an agency that said they had my resume from a, a friend of mine and they thought I, it would be something that I'd be interested in with starting, you know, the COVID compliance on set. Yeah. This was, you know, at, at the height of, or not the height, but the, the down of the curve or whatever of COVID um, after I got back from New York. And there, I was like, well, um, I've never worked in film. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I've, all I can do is try. And that's always been me. Sure. Throw it at me. I'm either going to be successful at it or I'm not. I'm either going to like it or I'm not. So let's, let's have at it. And the first show that I was put on was the, was Ozarks season four. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to be with them uh, during what they, what the people in film call is prep where they are building the stages and they're finding the locations of where they're going to film and, you know, stuff like that. So it's the prep time and, and then filming started. And in the midst of the prep time, they wanted nurses and healthcare staff on set to help guide them with COVID compliance, with help keeping people safe on set with COVID. Um, and in the, in the midst of this, it was, it was a learning learning curve for me. You know, I, I get people who reach out to me even now. They're like, Hey, I'm jumping into COVID compliance on set. Can you help me out? Because I will say, you know, Ozarks was almost, you know, trial and error for all of, you know, the filming industry to yeah. a certain degree, because that 
executive producer Patrick Markey, he he conversated with everyone. He was in conversation with, you know, uh, productions in New York, productions in California. You know, well, how are you doing this and how are you making this work and how are you keeping people safe and having those conversations to, you know, hone in and streamline our COVID compliance on on the set of Ozark. Um, so so with that, I met so many people and in me, I, you know, they were like in awe of me for being a COVID nurse who had been on the front line in California, New York, Texas, and here I'm standing and they're like, oh, but I'm standing here like Jason Bateman. Oh my God. You know, I'm like, you're a set deck and, and you did what? You know, I watched them make rain and I'm like, they made rain. <laughs> It's water. It's water. It was right. water out of a fire. High, I mean, a, 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 a hose from the fire truck. But I'm just like, oh, my God, it's raining. You know, I'm just in awe. And and, and they're sitting in awe of me. And I'm like, this is just awesome. So <laughs> I've never been the person who just does a job. Like I said, ask questions. I'm like, well, what do you do? What What is a set dresser? What is, what is costumes? What is makeup? It's more to just what it is. What is rigging and lighting and grip what is a grip oh my god <laughs> now you talking about some respect then man when i tell you i'm like grips I can, are real you know, grips are y'all real grip, if, if one of y'all fall i promise you i'm i'm gonna whoop your tail on the ground and then i'm gonna help you to the hospital but you know they do so much to bring you know a movie a show to life that it's it's just amazing and that's been since 2020 and it's 20 and i'm still in awe you know when i walk onto a set and, and uh, of the things that they create and do and it, it's gotten to the point where i am that that person that watches a movie or a show and i'm waiting for the credits because i want to see who who was in electric who did the lighting you know who did the costumes okay who 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 set up you know all, all of that so it's been good and and along the way you know I, I got educated by you know these people in production well you know you as a nurse you you can work as a set nurse which is like their set medic making sure that people stay safe or something happens there's a nurse you know on set you know you can get them to the hospital you can bandage them up you can do whatever it is that you need to do if there's an accident somebody's sick stuff like that if there's a baby on on set no you know i never even knew this existed there has to be a nurse on set for the baby and baby is is from what I forgot what age it ends, you know, but you know, I've been on set with a baby as young as three months old. You know, and then they have time frames of how long they can they can be on set. Uh commercials and photographers use um baby wranglers. So like if they got a bunch of little babies that is just what it's called, you need to get them together, you know. <laughs> You know, make sure they steal for the picture or the commercial, whatever it is. That, that's what you're there for. Yeah. And then being on set, when there are kids on set, you know, when there are kids on set, there has to be um, child, they call it child labor coordinators. And in, in the past, they used to be called child welfare because you work for the Department of Labor. So here you're, you're, you're a representative of the state of Georgia and you're making sure that the production is following the Department of Labor's child labor and entertainment laws. And, and that's what you're there for. Um, and so far when I do that, um, it's, it's, it's been good because you're the boss. Um, be, you, you basically 
tell them what to do, when to do it, how to do it because there are kids on set. Um, but again, just because you're in control, just because you're the boss and you know you you have the power to to stop a production or, or not, so forth and so forth, don't don't be, you know, don't be a jerk. Uh, you know, be kind. And that is one of the educations that I, you know, I teach people bringing them into into the set world outside of the box of being, you know, a, a bedside nurse. It's just being kind, talking to people, you know, respectfully and letting them know I'm just here to make sure the kids are safe. You do your job, I'm gonna do my job, and in the, in the middle of it, we'll work together. And with that said, I have been invited back because it's an invite. It's not, there's no job list, there's no right. nothing on Indeed when it comes to working in the film and industry. Right. Um, it's word of mouth, it's, hey, I know this person, she's really nice, I enjoyed working with her, she gets her job done, her paperwork is done when we wrap, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, you need to call her on your next production. So I get a lot of work based on word of mouth when it comes to working on set. And I don't think I would ever I don't think I would ever give up uh the filming industry, you know. I as no. I, I like it. It's it's um it's different from, you know, regular nursing. It's a it's a uh, a break from regular nursing um but again, didn't even know that that existed and has for multiple years. And then I'll have to say, because uh, there's not a lot of us in the world of production. Right. And I think you've been hearing a lot of, you know, actors and directors, you know, getting out there saying, we're trying to diversify a lot of these productions and these, and these sets, because it's, since it's so word of mouth driven, if, if my count, my, if my Caucasian counterpart, you know, there's more of them than me, you know, they're, they're going to give out their brother, cousin, best friend's name more than I am or can. And so that there's no, there's no balance there. And so, you know, that you have people like, um, Michael B. Jordan, who has a production, you know, company, Ava DuVernay, you know, all those people that are like, we want to start hiring more people for of color for for the crew, not so much somebody on the front, you know, the, the main actress and actor is the people behind the scenes that make all of this happen. And it very well could be, you know, a lot more of us in this industry. Um, so I have been I, now granted, I have been um, sharing that that bit of information. Uh, with people and and helping them get into the filming industry, but it it be but because it is a word of mouth industry, I am selective of who I refer and disclose you know certain information to because you know I could refer the wrong person you know I could refer somebody that's not a good fit and then I'm not getting any more referrals, you know, because they're like, wait, you, you sent me like two or three bad people. They came in here and they acted a fool or they didn't work. They didn't do that, you know, so forth and so forth. because the world of production is totally different than the regular world. It is not corporate. It is not the hospital. It is not anything that you could ever uh, imagine until you get into it. And you are either built for it or you are not. And not everybody's built for it. So.
that's my other out side of the box. <laughs> <laughs> well, soon I'm sure you'll be on the other side of the camera. So we're waiting for that. I, no, no, because I'm having a hard time with this right here. No, no, I, I stay in the background. You did I stay in the background because in the background, I get they have something called crafty. I can go to crafty whenever I want, get my little service. snacks. Uh, craft service. No, but yes. no, you've, you've done great because look, I am just a host. I ain't got nothing to say. That don't nobody want to hear me talk. They want to hear you talk. That's why you're here, right? Trust me. I already. <laughs> I've been helped. You've blown my mind thinking about nurses being on set, and we got agencies that specify in certain kind of issues in hospitals. All that thing has got me thinking about where I can get this next bag. But um, yeah, you you are a trailblazer. Uh, because I do know that nurses haven't really been on uh, on sets for very long, maybe in the last five or six years, if that, but mm-hmm. ramped up a lot in the last two because of COVID. And mm-hmm. for you to be there representing us in the way you do, um, even though I know a lot of it's just because they want to hear that uh, Louisiana accent when you talk. Uh, <laughs> but I know that you're doing a fantastic job because you always uh, take all the air out of the room. So you do a good job. I appreciate you. I always thank will. You. Um, thank you for your time. I got to get you back on here because we talk about more than just nursing. Usually we don't talk about nursing. Okay. So this yes. is surprising that we spent an hour talking about nursing, but we did somehow. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about um, how, how you have yet to age. We can talk about that later because um, I um, I ain't got enough shea moisture for this. Because I'm... I- <laughs> I'm, I'm you have not here. aged. Mm-mm. It's coming. Trust me. I am almost fifty, and it is it shows. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. Let me crack some chitlins for us to bleed it. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. I no. will take that. Thank you so much. Right. Have you heard of the Morning Meetup? The number one community for entrepreneurs. The largest book club in America where 600 plus entrepreneurs get on a video call every morning, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern, every morning for the betterment of entrepreneurship. You heard of it, right? Well, click the link in my description and you can try it for $1, just $1 for one week. And if you don't like it, you can leave, it's fine, but try it. You spent more than that on things you've never used and never will. So take $1 and invest in yourself. Or don't.